This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. This week on Meet and 3, we explore the relationship between food and style. I knew from the start that I never wanted to, like, hot glue bread onto my body. <laughs> like, I wanted to be able to eat, enjoy it after, and I did. Food, which is so ephemeral, right, is something that you eat and it disappears. With an image, it remains. It stays alive forever. Food and fashion align in that they're both lenses through which to look at culture, right? And they're both also tangible things we can use to express ourselves and our identities. Tune in to Meet in 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Why Food, the podcast for career changers, innovators, and entrepreneurs. I'm your co-host, Valerie Lomas, and our host, Ethan, is currently out in Grenada sourcing spices. So you guys are just stuck with me today, but we do have a fabulous guest. Um, She is the author of the newly published Dada Eats We've got Sama Dada. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Valerie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so, okay, we were just talking because we met, like, several years ago, um, and I remember, you know, you were, it was before you had your amazing digital show with the Today Show. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with media and how you segmented into food media yeah I mean we met way back in the day like it's kind of crazy how far we go back Valerie um I know yeah, it's, been... it's like years. I'm like years, years and it feels like even longer but go ahead <laughs> oh, it really does feel like longer but yeah you know it's it's kind of been a career of happy accidents I guess I never really set out to make my hobby, which was my food blog at the time, my career, but it's sort of, you know, you never know what is going to take you where and, and, you know, being in certain situations or circumstances that really level up your career and really make you super aware of your passions. Um, I had started initially as a page in the NBC page program. I was always really interested in being in television and working in production. And when I got a job at the Today Show as a production assistant, I was like running scripts. I was waking up at three in the morning. I was getting to work at four um, in the control room, like doing some really um, just really intense, uh, high stress jobs um, in the Today Show and at NBC. But all the while I was working on my food blog, which, you know, was me, you know, food styling food, cooking food, a lot that was a little bit more with like a plant-based better for you focus. And we're, we're here today. Uh, it's kind of just a very crazy roller coaster ride. Yeah. So, I mean, did you know that you wanted to be in front of the camera? Like, how did you transition from like being a page, helping with like actually like the making of the show to being like the talent, the person that's like (laughs) leading the show? It's really crazy. I did know, you know, that I wanted to be on camera kind of in college. I think that's where I sort of 
fell in love with the TV production aspect. And also at the time, I thought I wanted to be a reporter. So I went to Berkeley and I was really in the like Berkeley's TV station, like our student TV station. And I would be, you know, reporting on a lot of different things, but mainly entertainment. And I created a couple of food pieces where I would go to the Mission District of San Francisco and interview chefs and restaurateurs there. And that was sort of my, the start of my passion for like merging media and food. But at the time, I really thought I wanted to be like an entertainment, like red carpet reporter, like super not what I'm doing now. And I'm glad for it because I think this is sort of kind of the best marriage of all the things that I love, food and media and then meeting people and, and being in production. And I think it just happened to happen so organically that I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. And I mean, you're in San, Fr- San Francisco right now, right? Yes. Can you tell us what you're doing uh, out there right now? Literally, Valerie, I'm here eating. I'm not kidding when I say this was the sole purpose of my trip. I haven't been back to Berkeley since I graduated. So I am with my parents, actually, and we thought we would take a cute little trip to like get dosas and Sunnyvale and like go through San Francisco and visit Byright and all my favorite places. And I went back to the campus for the first time and like, oh, God, it's been like five or six years at this point, which makes me feel old. But um, yeah, it's, it's I'm here to eat is really the moral of the story. (laughs) I know. I love it. And I feel like obviously we've all been like so cooped up that we, you know, any chance that you get to leave home and go somewhere, you know, eating is, eating is definitely a good enough reason to travel across the country or or the world. I fully support this. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think it's so interesting that, you know, initially you were interested in being a red carpet reporter because um, I went to school in Southern California and I do think there is something about going to school in California that a little bit opens your eyes to like all of the different facets of the entertainment industry. And it just seems so much more feasible. So how did you end up in New York City? Yeah, totally. So... I mean, I think that's true. I think you have a proximity to the entertainment industry, to Hollywood, to the film industry. And I think it gives you more of a taste when you are in Southern California and you're just more exposed to it. But, um, you know, it's definitely not something that my parents ever thought that I would be in this industry or anything. It was kind of a bit of a a random little turn, but I'm happy for it. But in terms of ending up in New York, you know, I had actually interned in New York for a summer at CNN because, you know, I think it was right before my senior year of college. And I knew I wanted to work in television. I was really excited to get an internship at CNN. And honestly, after work, like all I would do is just eat through New York. And I truly had this crazy running list of all these places I would check off. I would like walk miles to get ice cream, walk miles in the opposite direction to like eat a full pizza. Um, And I think being in New York for that summer and just kind of immersing myself in the food scene there and seeing how much food in New York is literally, it's an event. Like it is an event to eat. It's an event to, to seek out food, to wait in lines for, for ice cream or for, you know, a slice of pizza. And I think that really inspired me and that made me so excited to want to eventually live in New York and go back there one day. I had always really known that that was something I wanted to do. And so when I went back to Berkeley for my last year of school, I actually ended up graduating early because I 
found out I was done with my credits. I did one semester of my senior year and I was like, I'm done. I'm going to apply to one job and then I'm going to go travel for a bit. So, which was really lucky and just fun for me to be able to do because I didn't actually end up studying abroad. So I did my first semester senior year, applied to the NBC page program, of course, based in 30 Rock in New York, found out that I got the job while I was traveling in Europe. And I had like 10 days to move to New York and pack all my stuff and like find an apartment and start my job on Monday. So it was very crazy. Okay, so Sama, you're in New York City, you're loving the city, you're loving the food, you're working as a page at the Today Show. Can you tell us how it was that you became the host of your own NBC cooking show? Yes, so I was working as a production assistant for the Today Show for about two years, and on the side, you know, after hours, I would be cooking up a storm, posting on my food blog. So my hours were really crazy at the time, right? Like I'd go to work at three in the morning, I'd get there at four, I'd work till like two, and then I'd come home and cook and try and go to sleep at 8 p.m. to do it all again the next day. And with my food blog at that point, it had started picking up some traction. I had a decent following at that point, and the producers found it and took notice of it and actually asked if I wanted to come on the show as a guest, which... For me at the time, I just like couldn't even believe what was happening because it was so far beyond what I had even dreamt for myself. Like I, I just couldn't even imagine that, you know, a show that I had watched since I was a kid with my mom and had worked there and behind the scenes um, to be given the opportunity, especially as a woman of color and especially as an Indian person. And I don't, you know, it, it wasn't somebody like a face or, or anything that I had been used to seeing on, on TV, really. Uh, it was so exciting to be given that opportunity. And from then, you know, I had my first segment and then I had another one, another one, and just kind of kept going from there. And and I was able to start my own digital cooking show for them. Uh, they had asked me to do that. And now we're actually in our second season in a brand new gorgeous studio in Long Island City. Um, and the season is, is going on currently as we speak. So it's been definitely a really exciting um, dream opportunity for me. Yeah. And I mean, one of the coolest things about the show is I love like the social media integration element of it. Do you you. think, and I mean, for people who don't follow, um, please, can you give us your um, social media handle so people can make sure they follow you while we're talking about it? Sure. It's at Dada Eats, D-A-D-A Eats, uh, which is my last name. Really just making it easy for people. But um, (laughs) yeah, that's it. It's kind of fun. In our first season, we really did a lot more of that social media integration. In the second season, it's a little more produce. It's a little more out in the field. We do a a couple different kind of ways of showing and showcasing these different recipes that I've created. But it all kind of has this through line of being like, okay, like food is a connector. Food is something that we have gotten to be so familiar with and so up close and personal with um, on social media and on Instagram and all these things. And it's, it's such a cool thing to be able to weave that in throughout all of the recipes as well. Yeah, and I do want to talk a bit about social media because you have such a great social media presence. Thank you. Um, do you find that, you know, when your digital show came out, did that kind of help you build your audience? Or can you just kind of tell our our listeners, because everybody, you know, is is looking for the the formula to getting yeah. that engaged social media audience. Totally. I mean, I, and that's the thing. I just, I don't even think that there's a formula. I think I, 
was consistent. And I think maybe that's the only thing that is beneficial. But other than that, I think everybody follows somebody for a different reason, right? Like whether that be somebody's personality or whether that be the value that they're providing them through maybe recipes or lifestyle content or whatever it is. And I think the most important thing that I tell people and and not even like I'm the expert to speak on it at all uh, by any means, but I think just being your complete authentic self and not putting too much of your worth in your social media or your following or your likes or any of that, being a bit removed from that and knowing that as long as you're putting your most authentic and original self out there, I know that's like the most cheesy thing ever, um, that shines through because, you know, there's a million people with food accounts, but there's only one you, you know, there's a, a million people with fashion blogs, but there's only one you with your own style and your flair. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing that I even try to remind myself sometimes. I love that. There's only one you, everyone. There is. It's you. It's you. I love that because I feel like with social media, especially, there are always all of these trends that are happening and, you know, quote unquote challenges and just, you know, ways that, you know, in many ways it does connect us if we're all, you know, doing some challenge where we're posting something similar um, around the same time. But at the same time, like it is important to remember that, you know, it is your uniqueness. That's, you know, the only thing really that's going to um, differentiate you because I always, I often think about, I'm like, does the world need another chocolate cake recipe or, (laughs) or, you know, chocolate chip cookie recipe or whatever, fill in the blank, um, guacamole recipe. (laughs) Um, like maybe not, but people, people might be interested because it is your recipe. So, um, I I love that you pointed that out. <laughs> um so let's I talk agree. about your I agree. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about your book. Did Yay, you know <laughs> Did you know that cookbook author was going to be on your resume? Like when did you figure out that you were going to be writing a cookbook? Is it something you always no, wanted to do or Absolutely not. Like I just I honestly thought like and not that I didn't ever want to write a cookbook. It's just that I didn't think I like it just wasn't in the realm of my dreams, you know? Like I I think it was so I had always wanted to be a, I've always wanted to write. Like writing has always been something that I have wanted to do from the beginning. I think that's why I got into broadcast journalism and production because I knew that that was something that I wanted to do because I loved it. And as like a seven-year-old, I wanted to be a little young novelist for like mystery books. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking. Like, I really took a plot twist in my career. But um, yeah, you know, I I think when my, my social media and when the Today Show segment started picking up, I think that became more of a conversation of, it being something that I could do and something I had the capacity for. And of course I had no idea the scale, but I really did believe that I could do it. And I think that was the biggest thing, like when presented with the opportunity and when I had, you know, publishers or whatever, you know, asking if it had I ever thought about writing a cookbook, it was like, I mean, yeah, like, I guess, I guess now that you think about it, yeah, it has been all that I've really done. And I think my resume, so to speak, was on my social media um, my blog post, I think it was all there, like that, that seed, but I think to see it, you know, put into fruition and also just the idea of it being something that I had the capacity and the opportunity to do, like, I feel very privileged for sure. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, just for our listeners who might not be so familiar with the book publishing process, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're if you're out there pursuing your passion, killing it, and you have a publisher reach out to you, that's really like a you're in your you're in an ideal situation. Or if you have multiple publishers reaching out to you, because um, mm-hmm. there are there are a few different ways to go about publishing a cookbook. Um, through like the more traditional process, which is having a publisher opposed to Mm self-publishing. And, you know, one way is you write a proposal and then you pitch it to publishers. But, you know, the publishers are seeking you out. It actually gives you a bit of leverage um, and it just puts you in an ideal situation. So I think it's very it's very telling that um, that people were although I'm obviously not surprised. I mean, but. It's very awesome that people were reaching out to you. So um, how did you go about, um, like, did you already have an agent? Like, tell us a little bit about the process and and how long did you spend? Because it's 100 recipes, right? That's a lot of recipes. (laughs) I know. And you know very well with your upcoming book, too. But yeah, you know, it was definitely an interesting process and a long process. I had also been reached out to by my current agent um, who, you know, had we had like been talking about it and like I had publishers reaching out to me and we kind of just I really clicked with my editor. She had told me that she like had been making my recipes for a long time. And I think that was really the route that I took was just who I felt most connected with. And that was sort of where I found myself at Harmony in Rodale and Penguin Random House. But um, it was a long process. It was a two-year process of, you know, writing the recipes, testing the recipes. Um, I also knew, you know, like I said, I, I knew writing was something I wanted to integrate in the book in a way that felt super organic to me. And I also knew, like, okay, if I'm getting the opportunity to write a book, I want to put some writing in there. So I have a lot of personal essays in there. So I feel like, you know, it is a 100 plus recipes, but it's also a very vulnerable and personal piece of me. And with every head note and every recipe, it is not just talking about here's what you're going to find in the recipe. It's like, here's how I got here. Like, here's how you are seeing this recipe on the page um, and hopefully on your table. So yeah, it was a, a, a very exciting long process. And also I find that in some ways, you know, COVID was so tragic for everyone really, but it also kind of forced me to be alone in my studio apartment in New York, not going anywhere not seeing anybody and like really wrapping up the book and finishing it. So that was, you know, I guess a blessing in disguise if you can even call COVID that, but uh, for me at least, you know, to, to be safe, I wasn't going anywhere. So uh, I, I definitely had some dedicated time to finish up the book. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And look, I definitely want to hear more about like the recipes and the inspiration. So let's take a quick commercial break and we will be right back with Sama Dada. This episode is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Route 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. 
In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 potato chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Okay, everyone, and we are back with Sama Dada. And, you know, we're talking about your new debut cookbook, Dada Eats. Um, and listen, I I love your style. Like, I've obviously been following you for several years. Like, I remember your just one banana muffin. Oh. Um, or it was like one sad banana. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> um, you got it. I, I love your style because it, it feels so approachable. Um, and it you know, it, and it's so, um, it's, it's casual. It's like, we're talking to a friend and I, I find that in the, in your writing style as well, but can you talk to us a little bit about the recipes and like, you know, the ways that maybe your Indian heritage shows up in some of these recipes and your, you know, your plant-based lifestyle, how does that show, show up in these recipes? Of course. And thank you for saying that, because I really think that is the crux of what I want to put across in all my recipes is the fact that it is approachable and it is inclusive. And I am somebody who, you know, I want to make sure that people are not intimidated by cooking and and I want to demystify some of the process a little bit. And I think that's what I hope to set out to do in this book. But yeah, it's a hundred plus plant-based recipes, um, really for everybody. And they're inclusive. A lot of them are friendly for different dietary restrictions, whether that be without dairy or without gluten or, you know, whatever that may be. And that's the thing that's really interesting about my style of cooking is that I never really set out to make it that way. I never set out to make vegan recipes or make gluten-free recipes, but I really gravitate towards very minimal ingredients. So I opt for an almond flour, a coconut flour, coconut oil. So, you know, you have very minimal pared down ingredients that actually end up making the results gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever it is. Um, And that's really cool for me because it allows my recipes to be inclusive. It allows people who, you know, maybe can't have a traditional brownie, enjoy one. And and I don't want it to be just good for gluten-free or just good for dairy-free. I want it to be just good, you know, regardless. And that's kind of what I set out to do in this book. And more than that, I think a lot of people are used to seeing a ton of desserts on my Instagram because I find, you know, that is just, it's aesthetic. It looks really good. It tastes really good. Everyone wants a bit of a better for you, maybe real ingredient dessert. But in the book, I want it to be, or I wanted it to be a very much a kitchen companion for people. So it's a lot of savory recipes that are super quick and easy and delicious for like a weeknight dinner, but you've also got breakfast and snacks and apps and, and desserts. So it's a full spectrum of what I hope somebody's menu would be if they just really want to cook and not spend too much time um, actually doing it. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I actually, I want to go back and talk a little bit more about your cooking show because you have a pretty awesome development, which is it's now available on Peacock. Yes, it is. So it's really cool because I actually shot this show in New York in a brand new studio kitchen that they had built for the food content. It's a gorgeous like setup that was propped with different things that I wanted to be propped with. And it just looks very beautiful. We had like a four cam setup. It was really nice. And now I'm so excited because it's going to be streaming on Peacock. It's on Today All Day. So the Today Show streaming platform. And it's essentially 
it's almost like my cookbook kind of come to life. It's not just cookbook recipes, of course, but, you know, some ones that I developed exclusively for the show or some of my greatest hits recipes. But it really is the same kind of idea where it's like, here's what you can do with that sad, lonely banana that is like kind of perished sitting on your counter. Or like, what do you do with almond flour if you have a bag and you like are done baking your almond flour cookies? Like here's how you can bread your vegetables in it to make a really crisp like cauliflower popper. So it's a lot of different things where I wanted to make it accessible and inclusive and also show people that if you do lean a bit more plant forward or veggie forward, it doesn't have to be super boring. So that was kind of the basis of that show. And I'm excited that it is, you know, being received well and also, um, you know, in, in a, on a platform that more people can see it. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I have been like all over Peacock lately because (laughs) I'm like Olympic trials, gymnastics, (laughs) track and field. I want all the replays. Um, And like, um, there's also like a lot of like really cool docu-series. There's actually one following the Olympic gymnast on Peacock. So now that I know that I can also check you out (laughs) on Peacock, I'm going to watch my watch my gymnast yes. on their docu-series and then I will head over and get get some Dada Eats content also. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love I that love for it. me. <laughs> but I listen, love them if, in your rotation. <laughs> oh, totally. And you know what? If, if you haven't, if you don't have Peacock yet and you want a reason to get it, again, just just check out Dada Eats like on Instagram because um, I love that your personality, it really shines through. It's just so, um, it's so youthful. <laughs> it really so. is. And <laughs> and, and such like a good, bright, um, bright way. So, um, but yeah, you. like, I guess, you know, before we wrap up, because Ethan and I, we normally do some rapid fire questions, but I'm just feeling a lot of pressure, like doing them, (laughs) just me. And I actually want to talk more about your book. Okay, Um, let's talk. I love how you separated the different chapters, Um, because I think normally with cookbooks, you know, we're like, these are your appetizers. Mm -hmm. These are your entrees. And, you know, these are whatever. But I love that, like, you have some chapters that are like based off of locations that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that are important to you, like Berkeley and New York and London. Um, And I love like, again, it it just feels approachable just how you come across Um, on other platforms like you will want to eat your vegetables (laughs) that is a very bold statement (laughs) Uh, that is a very bold statement Uh, but I believe you because um, again it's it's one of the cool things about getting to see um, your recipes come to life um, outside of the pages of a cookbook. It's like you've kind of built up that trust with people. So why don't you, can you just tell us like one or two recipes in your book that like you're most excited about or you think might have the biggest impact? Of course. And, and thanks again for, for recognizing that and saying that. I think I wanted to make the book super playful and fun. And I think, you know, I wanted it to be a lot of my personality to come through on the pages and also through the head notes and the text. And I think by segmenting it into sections that are, you know, like 
you will want to eat your vegetables. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, it's a bit bold, but it's also like, I think you really will, you know? Um, and it's also stuff that I know doesn't take very long and it yields a very tasty result. And a lot of it is, you know, it, it's simple. It's a lot of things come together in your blender or things that are, you know, using that one bright banana, like I said before. And I think it's just an amalgam of, of, of those sorts of things that, that make cooking feel a little less intimidating, but yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, and I'm sure you feel this too. It's like choosing a favorite child, like between all of your favorite recipes and all of the recipes <laughs> in the book. Cause I literally poured over all of them. Like, okay, what is going to be worth it to keep in here? But one that has been really standing out to me and I've been really excited to share is my masala mac and cheese. Um, it's a dairy free cheese sauce, but it has a bit of masala in it. So it's a little spicy and it's got that comfort food vibe, but it's a little more fun and a little more playful. And it's got the spices of my, my heritage in there as well. So that's a really fun one. Um, I also have a really delicious carrot cake in the book um, with a peanut butter and coconut date frosting, which is kind of a fun sort of twist on a traditional carrot cake. And I love dates, like not the romantic kind, like the actual medjool kind. (laughs) I love them so much. So those are peppered in throughout the book. Um, Those are two that I'm really excited about. And I think more than that, you know, there's a lot of savory recipes and easy vegetable, you know, recipes that are super easy to prepare. And I think that's going to both surprise people and also hopefully be well received by people because I get a lot of questions on, okay, like how do I make a super easy lunch or a super quick dinner? Um, And I basically said, I'm just going to put that all into the book. So you guys will have to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really smart because um, it, it does seem like, you know, about a year ago at this point, or, you know, in our, in our COVID-19 journey, (laughs) um, everyone was like very excited about spending all day in the kitchen. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) And people, you know, it was like, for once we all have time to take on these cooking projects. And it's not like you have to go to work and you can't like, you know, labor over the oven for six hours watching your pot (laughs) simmer you know Um, and I think now it's like uh you know the pendulum is kind of swinging in the other direction which is how do I get dinner on my table in eight minutes flat so um totally I think it's great that like you kind of had the foresight to like embrace that in your cookbook and again I just think like you having your your pulse on your audience through social media and other like platforms. Um, I just like, can't stress enough, like how awesome that is. Like as someone, you know, who is creating recipes that you hope are going to resonate with people. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the, the struggle very well. And I think (laughs) you always want to make sure that people are excited about what you're creating. So I think there is that underlying pressure, but I don't even really worry about it too much. Cause I feel like as long as I'm creating things that feel super true to me and things that I want to eat. And I think, you know, my audience would want to respond to. And, and like you said, having a good sense and even polling my audience to see like what they want to see next or what things that they're excited about. I know a carrot cake was something that had like, I had so many requests for because obviously, you know, it's, it's difficult to make a dairy free gluten-free carrot cake that like doesn't taste bad. So I like took this challenge upon myself and I think, you know, that was a cool thing to help inform what I put in the book as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's just, we're going to wrap it up with some rapid fire questions. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) 
All right. What is your favorite summer vegetable? Oh my god, summer vegetable? <gasps> this is so hard. Can I okay, can I switch this up and just say I love a kale Caesar salad in the summer? I have one in my book with like a tahini za'atar dressing and I know that doesn't really count as your answer and this is not rapid fire because I'm still healthy, <laughs> but I love that salad for the summer. Okay, awesome. I'm going to have to check it out cuz I'm actually obsessed with kale Caesar salads. So Okay, you need to you need to make it. I that need to your make mission, it. your summer mission. <laughs> yes, I have a mission. Um, all right. <laughs> what about one cooking utensil that you can't live without? My blender. I know people would probably, like, I, I don't know if that's like sacrilegious or whatever, but I love my high-speed blender. No, I, I think that's a great answer. <laughs> and I think that kind of, like, separates a lot of us, like, dessert-forward people from, yeah. like, the chefy chefs. Because all of the chefy chefs are like, my knife. Um, exactly. And the rest of us are like, um, a rubber spatula. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. And um, let's see, one more. What is, who is, let's see, who is someone who you consider, like, a, a peer that you, that has been inspirational to your journey in food media? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Probably Samin Nasrat. I mean, I don't even know if she qualifies as a peer because she's like an icon, but um, I definitely look up to her in the food space because I think she was one of the very few people who articulated an experience of growing up um, that was so similar to mine, feeling a little bit othered and a little bit not like you kind of belong and you're sort of straddling between your your culture and where you're growing up in like a predominantly like white area. And so I think um, she is definitely somebody I really look up to in the food space and, and I adore her. Okay, I love that. That's such a great answer because Samin is the bomb. And the if bomb. you don't know Amazing. her, Google her, follow her everywhere. All right, um, where can people find your book? Yes, you can find my book, Dada Eats Love to Cook It, wherever you got your books, um, on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Target, anywhere you, you shop for your books, wherever books are sold. Um, and I'm at Dada Eats on Instagram. Keeping it simple. Wonderful. You know? <laughs> I love it. And listen, you guys can follow me on Instagram at foodie in New York. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And to everyone else, I'll see you guys next week with Ethan. <laughs> thank you. Bye, everyone. See ya. Why Food is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.